You are Locked On A's. Your daily Oakland A's podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network. Your team every day. It's time for Locked On A's. Stepping to the mic, it's your host, Jason Burke. Thank you, Amelia. And how's it going, A's fans? Welcome to episode 308 of the Locked On A's podcast, part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. I am your host, noted baseball fan, Jason Burke. And on today's episode, we're talking about the A's and Astros game. The Astros beat the A's 9-6. to The A's are now four and a half games back in the division. Going to go over last night's game, going over uh, today's starter, Luis Garcia, and then some other notes that I have in the third segment. So, That is today's episode for you guys. But before I get into any of that stuff, today's episode is brought to you by Spotify Green Room. Download the app and join me on Thursday at game time. So roughly 11 o'clock in the morning to get in on the action. It's always a lot of fun. I always like talking to everybody. So uh, make sure to download the app, join the conversation, and uh, we can talk trades. We can talk about the A's and the Astros series if you really want to. Uh, So yeah, join me on Spotify Green Room at 11 a.m am for game time on Thursday. Also, make sure to follow this podcast wherever you like hearing podcasts. You can follow us on social media at LockedOnA's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at ByJasonB on Twitter and in the aforementioned Spotify Green Room app. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. So let's talk about the game, I guess. Uh, man, what a demoralizing loss because that's just what it feels like when the A's play the Astros. And I tweeted out after the top of the first inning, the A's had a three to nothing lead. And I was like, Hey, it, this feels nice, but anybody else have like a sense of doom right now? And Oh boy, did that one come true? Um, the A's lost nine to six. They won the first three innings. Like handily they were up six to two at a point and everything was looking real real good and then it it fell apart real real quick um Jordan Alvarez in this game went three for five he had two just crushing home runs that were really the difference in this game two pitches from Chris Bassett uh changed the complexion of the AL West for the day and just it, the series potentially overall uh the game certainly um yeah he went three for five two home runs five RBIs that's you can't have that from one guy named Jordan Alvarez. If they get a bu- if they string a bunch of hits together and just keep doing that, sure. But you can't give up that long ball. And Chris Bassett uh, told reporters after the game that, uh, that we had a win. I handed it back to him, and uh, so he's definitely taken this one, you know, to heart. And he wasn't able to locate his pitches. He he basically had nothing out there. And you can't have nothing when you're facing the best team in baseball, uh, at least offensively. Team overall, that's arguably debatable, but the best offense in baseball by far, uh, they are just a ridiculous offense. And Jordan Alvarez, you should have seen, I should have said, you know, he's just had another child. Dad power is a real, real thing. It is uh, tried and true. It is a proven tactic. If you have a child, you're going to hit a bunch of home runs when you return. Uh, That's just how things work. But, uh, Overall, Chris Bassett, he went four and a third innings pitched, gave up eight hits, six earned runs, which is his worst start 
of the season, uh, including his first start against the Houston Astros, in which he also didn't go five innings. Um, and he also walked one, struck out six, and it was those two Jordan Alvarez home runs that really broke the camel's back in this one. You take those away, the A's won six to four, and they're looking okay. But those those two shots really did a number on the A's. From Bervaldez, um, I, for what it's worth, and I know that I shouldn't be patting myself on the back after an A's loss, but everything that I said that the A's needed to do against Framber Valdez, they did in this game. They hung six runs on him, five earned, but six runs in total. Um, sure, one of those was, you know, defensive uh, miscues and all that stuff that led to an extra run. That's why it wasn't earned, but they were just making contact. They, they made contact. They were getting to him early and then they stopped getting to him. And that's one thing that they got to, you know, uh, work on is keep their foot on the pedal because a team like the Astros does not quit a lot like the A's where you can't just be complacent with a four run lead. Uh, one, you don't have the arms to preserve it right now. And two, the Astros are a very, very good team. You got to keep adding on. And I think they had like three hits in the final six innings of this game. And that's you got to at least make the pitchers work and not just go down, you know, swinging or, you know, hitting pop-ups or doing whatever. And I know that, you know, the Astros bear down and, you know, they get better pitches and all that stuff, but still you gotta, you gotta show us a little bit more in those final six. And that's, I think the most demoralizing part of this loss on the bright side, though, it wasn't like it was a beat down from the playoffs or uh, the, the first series of the season where the A's were just completely outplayed. The A's had a lead in this game. They just did not do enough to win this one. Uh, am I hopeful for the rest of the season or uh, for the rest of the series? Not necessarily just because they had this big lead. But on the flip side of that same coin, Framberaldez was probably the, the pitcher that I was a little bit more scared of in this Astros rotation. And they hung six on him in five innings. And that is something that he had not done. I think the most runs that he had given up this season was three. Uh, he'd given up two a couple of times, but still hanging six on a guy like Framber Valdez, they all, they, uh, his area went from like 2.18 to 2.86 or something like that. So they almost raised it by a full run in this one outing. So, uh, they, they did their jobs offensively. The offense is what we were worried about coming in and the bullpen. I know that they have been getting some crap online and stuff, but, uh, the, the bullpen wasn't the one that gave up six runs. That was Chris Bassett. And uh, obviously I'm not mad at Chris Bassett because Chris Bassett has been amazing for the A's this season. So I'm going to talk about this in the third segment, but my, my big question is, is this a one game thing where Chris Bassett did not have it today? Or is this a larger issue where the team as constructed with Chris Bassett and Shamanaya at the top of this rotation cannot compete with a team like the Houston Astros? Uh, I'm going to talk about that a little bit in the third segment. So uh, stay tuned for that. But let's just uh, keep going with some other thoughts from this game. And I said on Monday's pod that you have to play basically error-free ball. You have to drive in runs when you get the opportunities against a team like the Astros. Your bullpen has to be solid. You, you got to take advantage of every single opportunity. And the A's just did not do that in Tuesday's uh, series opener. They uh, th The big one was Mark Kotze sending the runner. And uh, yeah, for the third time in three games, a runner was thrown out at the plate. And that's... You just cannot have that in big games against good teams like the Boston Red Sox or the Houston Astros. You just cannot give up runs on the bases. That's just not something that 
should or can happen in these games because you're not going to win playoff series like that. You're not going to win singular games in the regular season like that. Uh, and you might be able to get away with it against like the Royals, but not against these teams because you got to take advantage of every single out that you are afforded. And instead of, you know, sending them right there, you got to have a, a runner on third with, you know, one out uh, or two outs, I guess. Oh, one out. Um, and, you know, same sort of thing just throughout the game. They just, they had runners on second or first and third with nobody out and did not score. You got to take advantage of those opportunities. And usually I, I fluff off the, uh, you know, the, the A's are terrible with runners in scoring position and, you know, those arguments because it's a long season. But in a, in a game like this, these are the kinds of teams that you have to take advantage of. If they drove in every runner in scoring position against the Houston Astros and all the good teams that they're going to be facing in the playoffs and then didn't score any other runs, I'd be like, yeah, their stats suck, but they can do it against the best. And that's what I want to see. I need to see the A's rise up to these challenges because it feels like they take their foot off the gas when they get a lead or when they're down by too much, they just lose that fight. Ramon Laureano came out swinging and uh, I was... Uh, conversing with one of our Twitter followers and uh, a stat that I've been holding on to, and he did it in the first inning. So one of the first pitch of the game, he's hitting 385 hitting on the first pitch this, uh, this entire season. So if you see Ramon start to swing on the first pitch a little bit more often, that is why it's because if he gets, you know, a decent pitch to hit, he's been doing damage with the first pitch. So, uh, I, I want to see more of that from Ramon. Uh, Chad Pinder got a hit. I mentioned him on yesterday's podcast. He needs to get going. Ramon needs to get going. They both, you know, provided at least a hit uh, each. And Elvis Andrews had three hits of his own. He was doing okay. So you could complain about the offense, but they put up six. And that's, you know, not enough for this game, but that's what you would generally want in a game. Uh, the bullpen was, you know, not great by any means, but at the same time, if they gave up one run, then they would have still been in the same situation. So uh, it's not necessarily the bullpen's fault. My big question after this game is, do the A's have enough in the rotation? Because this season has been built on this rotation, and uh, I'm going to be talking about that in the third segment. But coming up, I'm going over Luis Garcia's pitch mix and how the A's might be able to attack him in today's game. So stay locked in. We're locked on A's, and I'll be right back. This episode is brought to you by Green Room. Green Room is the first social audio platform made for sports fans. The app is free to download, and once you're in, you can talk with me, other fans, athletes, and insiders in real time about your favorite team or sport. I will be hosting rooms for Locked On A's once a week, and yes, you can finally join in on the conversation you listen to here every day. Green Room is the perfect place to start or join conversations about baseball, and you will have a chance to chat with with me and might even have a chance to be featured on the Locked On A's podcast through our Green Room Conversations. Be sure to join me this week because I'll be hosting a room on Thursday at game time. So go download the free Green Room app now currently available on all iOS devices. Be sure to create a profile, link your Twitter, and join the MLB group for the latest league updates. Follow me at ByJasonB to be notified when my room goes live. I know you won't want to miss it. I'm planning to be live this week on Thursday at around 11 a.m. for game time. I can't wait to hear everybody's thoughts on the A's. I'll see you guys there. Green Room, changing the way we talk sports. 
Welcome back to the Locked On Ace podcast. If you guys are enjoying the show, make sure to hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this. And also make sure to follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I am at by Jason B on Twitter and in the Spotify green room app. And if you guys have any questions for me, trade proposals, anything that you want to bring up about the Oakland A's that you want me to talk about on the show, feel free to email us at LockedOnAthletics at gmail.com. You can also tweet those same things to me. I, I, I see both. So whichever one's more comfortable for you, go with that one. So let's talk real quick about the pitching that's going to be happening on Wednesday night at five o'clock local time for us, uh, seven o'clock local time for, you know, them, uh, for, for, for the bad guys, obviously. So uh, real quick, I just want to, before I get into Luis Garcia, because I had a lot of fun on yesterday's episode, breaking down what Fran Berval does, does well, and then how the A's can attack that. They did all of those things. And again, I'm telling you, everybody on the team listens to the podcast and that, that means a lot to me. So thank you to everybody on that one. Uh, but there is one stat that I think that is very, very important when facing the Houston Astros this season. And it's a team-wide thing for the Oakland days. And that is when their starter goes six innings or more. And I don't think that they've gone more. They have gone six innings at the very most against the Houston Astros. If they get six innings out of their starting pitcher, which has been their formula this year, because they have a ton of innings pitched right now. They are 3 and 0. They it's only happened 3 times, but they are 3 and 0 when a an A starter goes 6 innings against the Houston Astros. When they don't go 6 innings, they're 0 and 8. And that's their record is 3 and 8. So, if Shamanaya leaves before the 6th inning or the end of the 6th inning, uh you, you can kind of see where that one's going, I guess. And for his part, Shamanai has actually been pretty decent against the Astros, not statistically, but otherwise. Uh, he is 0-1 on the season. He's gotten two no decisions against Houston, but the A's have won two out of three of the games that he has pitched in. The last game that he pitched in, uh, he went six innings, gave up like uh, 10 hits and three runs. So you might see some tra- traffic on the bases, but as long as they're not scoring, I think we're okay. Just get him through six, and then uh, it's a guaranteed victory for the Oakland Athletics. Uh, he has pitched... 16 and uh, two-thirds innings pitched, and he has a 486 ERA against the Houston Astros this season. So not sterling stats, but, you know, obviously you get, you know, uh, if, if you give up three and six, that's a four and a half right there. But that still gives your team a decent chance to win that game if your offense is also showing up. So if Ramon comes to play again and Chad Pender, he's probably not going to be playing, but um, if they can get some hits from other guys in this game, Maybe the A's can put up another four or five spot and secure a victory in this one. But I want to focus on Luis Garcia. He's a right-handed pitcher. Uh, The A's faced him once. I went over a stat line in yesterday's pod. He went five innings, gave up two runs. They were both solo home runs. One was to Mark Hanna, who's not playing. The other one was to Tony Kemp. So maybe maybe they can get lucky on a couple of home runs. And then you get to the bullpen and you you see what happens, I guess. Because apparently it's the weak spot of the the entire Houston Astros roster. And uh, I don't know that we have seen that. But it is apparently the worst part of their team. But uh, Luis Garcia, the righty, he has made 14 starts this season and has a 3.27 ERA. Yesterday, I said it was a 3.14, but that is overall because he also had a couple of relief appearances where he had like a 1.5 ERA. So that lowered his season ERA, but he's made 14 starts. And in those starts, he has a 3.27 ERA. So slightly worse, I guess, than Shalmaniah, as opposed to just a tick off. It's a few ticks off. So whoop-de-doo. Um, but let's go over his pitch selection against lefties real quick because 
you can kind of get you know a sense of you, you know who's basically in the lineup when it's a righty on the mound and when there's a lefty on the mound. So with a righty on the mound, you're going to be seeing your main guys. You're going to see more lefties. You're probably going to see Seth Brown, who we'll see. Uh, maybe you'll see Sky Bolt, but uh, hopefully not. <laughs> That's all I'm saying. Um, but against lefties, he's predominantly a three pitch pitcher against both sides. But against lefties, he goes four seam, change up, and curveball. And I don't have the percentages for each side, but overall, the percentage pitches, uh, his four seam goes 48.2% of the time, his changeup is 9.5% of the time, and his curveball is 8.8% of the time. Obviously, that does not add up to 100% because he also faces righties, uh, but I just wanted to go off of these get these pitches real quick, and I'm assuming that he's working with his four seam a decent amount against both sides. Well, he is against both sides, but you'll see a little bit more of an uptick in the usage uh, against a lefty when you know for the curveball and the changeup uh, when you know a lefty's up to bat. So just real quick, uh, the batting average against on his fastball is 291, on his changeup it's 250, and on his curveball that was a a lethal pitch for Framber Valdez against the A's. Uh, on Tuesday night, it is 056. So his curveball, again, extremely lethal. It's going to be a put-away pitch against lefties. Stay away from two-strike counts if you can. Attack that first pitch, Ramon. Uh, and then the whiff percentage. His fastball doesn't get a, a huge amount of whiffs. It's at 19%. And his changeup is at 33.8%. So that's a decent amount of whiffs. Swings and misses. But that curveball is 433 Um not quite half the time, but for the sake of this argument, let's just say half the time that a batter swings at this pitch, they swing and miss. So you want to avoid the curveball and curveball situations if you can. Whether or not he's throwing it for a strike, I'm actually not positive because the stats do not tell me. I just know that they don't hit well against it and also that, uh, that the whiff percentage is very, very high. So real quick, let's just go to some lefties here. Uh, Kemp against the four-seamer. He's been a, a good hitter for the A's this season. Kemp against the four-seamer. He's hitting 325 against the changeup. He's hitting 167 and against the curveball, he's hitting 150. So if you are Luis Garcia, you are attacking Tony Kemp. Maybe you set him up with a heater and then you go soft and breaking. That's all you got to do. Um, you know, according to the numbers, it, it could be a very long at a day for Tony Kemp against Luis Garcia. And then you got Matt Olson on the other hand against the four seamer. He's hitting 255 this season. Changeups 342 and curveballs 200. And he does have a 25% whiff rate on the curveball. So do you just keep feeding him curveballs? Maybe, but also he's a smart enough hitter where he can just drive one of those curveballs if you throw him one enough times. Um, you know, I know that uh, Matt Chapman, he, he got four <laughs> four uh, changeups, which is his pitch to hit on, in Tuesday's game against Frambo Valdez. He took one up the middle for a single. So uh, if, if you throw somebody a pitch often enough, they're going to take advantage of it. So you can't just rely on the curveball. But if Matt Olson gets down, you know, 0-2 or with two strikes, watch out for that curveball. And then Sean Murphy has also not been great against the curveball. He's hitting 077 on the curveball this season. That has been his one big flaw is just not being able to hit curveballs this year because he has a 48.2 whiff percentage, and that is so, so high right now. So if he throws him anything else, that would be odd, I would imagine. I know I know. I just said uh, if you throw a major league hitter uh, – 
the same pitch so many times in a row, they're going to hit it. But Sean Murphy has been having an inordinate amount of struggles against the curveball. So maybe you just wing it. If there's nobody on, just keep throwing them curveballs and see if he can hit one. So you can tell from that that I'm not super optimistic about uh, the A's batters against Luis Garcia, but let's handle how righties have been hitting him this season. Uh, again, you got that four-seamer with a 291 batting average. Then he throws a cutter, with which has a 121 batting average against, and then a slider with a 132 batting average against. And the whiff rates on his cutter and his slider are 45.5 and 46.3. So he gets a lot of swings and misses. The A's tend to swing and miss a decent amount. It's going to be a very, very interesting matchup because righties have actually hit him a little bit better than lefties, even though he is a right-handed pitcher. So if you can get Elvis Andrews to, you know, get a bases clearing double or something like that, then that that's great. But man, it's going to be a, it could be a rough outing. He has a very, very high whiff percentage and the A's, tend to swing and miss against good stuff. And he has some good stuff. So we'll see what happens. Uh, and his last two starts against Detroit and Baltimore, he has gone 10 innings, given up 10 hits, six earned runs. He's walked five and struck out 10. So not great from his standpoint against the Detroit Tigers and the Baltimore Orioles. Those are two not great offensive teams. They've got some bats, but not great offensive teams. So if you're looking at that, you're like, oh, okay, cool. That That's fantastic. The A's can maybe get to this guy because he's, you know, on a downswing. He's been struggling. But in the month of June, he also faced the Boston Red Sox, the Toronto Blue Jays, and the Chicago White Sox. Say what you will, but those are three very, very good offensive teams. And in those three starts, he went 20 innings pitched, gave up 15 hits, three earned runs, walked five, and struck out 22. So if he's walking a batter every other inning, then maybe you're going to be getting the Detroit Baltimore Luis Garcia. But by those stats and just that small, small sample size, it looks like he's been showing up for those big games where he has to have a good performance and he's been having those. So uh, we'll see which one we get. Hope I mean, on the one hand, if the A's get to him, that's great. But at the same time, is it like, oh, does he not take the A's seriously? And I mean, should they at this point? They, they are eight and three against the Oakland A's right now. So, but that is... Uh, just what the numbers are saying, and he has a lot of swing and miss, whereas Framber Valdez does not miss a lot of bats. He'll strike out a few guys, but he's about missing barrels and driving the ball into the ground, and the A's were able to at least make contact. If the A's cannot make contact, they're going to have a very, very long day at the plate again on Wednesday, so we'll see what happens. Maybe we need Shamanaya to twirl a gem and then use the good bullpen and see what happens, but so hopefully you're opti more optimistic than me on this one because... Man, I, I do not like facing the Houston Astros. Anyways, uh, coming up on the show, I've got some more thoughts for you guys, including a plug for tomorrow or Friday's show, depending on the outcome of this game today. So uh, stay locked in with Locked On A's, and I'll be right back. Today's episode is brought to you by the best tasting protein bar in the galaxy, and that is Built Bar, my friends. And this week only, from July 6th through the 9th, they have a new Built Bar flavor available on their site, and that is Grasshopper Cookie. What does it taste like? This is Built Bar's version of the classic thin mint cookie, all the flavor without the sugar. It has 150 calories with 17 grams of protein and only 5 grams of sugar. These things are absolutely delicious. Do not let the name grasshopper fool you. It did for me. And then I tasted it and I was like, oh, 
This is a completely different thing that I was expecting. And when I told my wife what I was expecting, she laughed in my face. So don't let your significant other laugh in your face. This is a Thin Mint Cookie Built Bar. It is absolutely delicious. It is great for you as well. They have so many different flavors, but this one is absolutely delicious. Uh, you know, like everything that they do, I don't know how they do it, but they never miss the mark. So to get your hands on some of these delicious treats, go to built.com and use promo code LOCKED15 and you'll get 15% off your order. Use promo code LOCKED15 for 15% off at built.com. Welcome back to the Locked On A's podcast. If you guys are enjoying this show, then you may also thoroughly enjoy the Locked On Today podcast, where today they are talking about why one NFL playmaker wants out of New England. Get more of the sports news you need in less time with the Locked On Today podcast. Follow the Locked On Today podcast on the Odyssey app or wherever you get podcasts. And also make sure to follow this podcast wherever you like hearing podcasts. Podcast, podcast, podcast. <laughs> also follow us on social media at Locked On A's on Twitter and Instagram. I'm at ByJ. Jason B on Twitter and in the Spotify green room app. And if you have any questions for us, please send those to lockdownathletics at gmail.com. So let's talk a little bit just about the narrative surrounding the Oakland A's currently, because a lot of the focus has been on the trade deadline and improving the bullpen. And over the weekend, the bullpen was pretty decent. Last night, obviously it wasn't great. They allowed uh, three runs in like three and two thirds innings. So not the shutdown bullpen that you want to see from a contending team in the American League or just in baseball in general. But I think that one, there's another question that's creeping into my head after this start from Chris Bassett, and that is this team has been built on the starting rotation. They are performing excellently. And without, you know, Chris Bassett, Shamanaya, James Caprillion and Cole Irvin and Frankie Montas for the most part, I know that he's had some blow up starts, but they've got five guys that are giving you five, six, seven innings each and every time they touch the ball. And it makes you feel good about this team heading into the playoffs because generally the A's have, you know, some decent starters, you know, like Chris Bassett from last year, he was fantastic. Uh, Shamanai is usually pretty decent, but he's on another level right now. And you, you get what you can, and then the bullpen comes in, and then you, you rely on the bullpen. But this this season, it's more about starting pitching, where if you can get six or seven innings out of your starters in this year's playoffs, and, you know, they gave up two or three runs and your offense can score and all that stuff, then you only need two innings a day out of your bullpen. And then you're looking like you're in a much better spot where you don't have to rely on, you know, Liam Hendricks last year to go the last three innings to get you one win, throw 50 pitches to secure a victory or anything like that. You can rely on, you know, a couple of guys here, a couple of guys there and go from there. And if Chris Bassett I don't know if this is one game. I'm assuming that it's one game because he's been fantastic the rest of the season. But if Chris Bassett or Shamanaya or, you know, if they can't find three or four guys to throw meaningful innings in the rotation in the postseason, if they make it to the postseason, uh, then do they actually have a chance? And that's something that I'm starting to think about because you got to see a little bit better performance from your main horses in the starting rotation. I would like to see James Caprillion, honestly, uh, face off against the Houston Astros because he seems like he would just shut them down. But that's for another day. But that also leads me to another question, which is, do they need a new plan of attack against the Houston Astros? Or is it the talent that isn't good enough? Are they just not executing? Or, and you know, are they not game planning well enough? Or, 
or is it that the Houston Astros are just a more talented team and they can never, ever compete with them because uh, they don't have as much talent as, you know, Correa and Altuve and uh, Lance McCullers Jr. and Zach Greinke. They don't have enough talent or is it a game plan thing? And that's something else that I'm starting to think about because it's only the Houston Astros that seem to give them this much trouble. Um, it, it seems like the same sort of game each and every time. And I don't know what it is. Maybe it's, you know, Hey, we'll just, you know, sit on our hands for the first, you know, time through the order. And then we're going to really, really give it to you. Uh, the, the second and third time through the order, we'll get to that bullpen. We know how to hit use Mero Petit. Now, um, is there something else that needs to be done? I'm not sure. So my question is, is it one bad outing where he wasn't executing or is that a Houston game plan and not the A's not game planning enough? Is it enough where I know that there's been there was the rumor that came out uh, yesterday, I believe, about trade rumors surrounding Craig Kimbrell and one high level, uh, high ranking AL executive saying that he thinks that it's either going to be the A's or the Astros that gets Craig Kimbrell at the trade deadline and I've talked about him. I'm actually, uh, here's the plug. I'm talking to the Locked On Cubs host, uh, Joe. I do not know how to say his last name yet. I will find out um, about their trade targets because he's like, my team is done. We're going to be selling. And I was like, I would like some of your players, please. Let's talk. So we're going to be talking on Wednesday. Um, if the A's win, that will be going up on Thursday. If the A's lose today, then that uh, that little conversation will be going up on Thursday. <laughs> I would much rather talk about nice things and, you know, the A's potentially getting some nice bonus pieces um, than, you know, another loss to the Houston Astros. So that is my reasoning. And then uh, I'll be, you know. I'll have another episode on either side of that, whether the A's win or lose. So I got that coming up for you guys later this week as well. But even if the A's get Craig Kimbrell, he would not have helped in this game that we just saw last night. The A's generally are not losing these games in the ninth inning because they don't have a closer. They're not able to compete because of the middle guys or their starting rotation not being able to go deep enough into games. All you need is six innings against the Houston Astros. Uh, they're 3-0 when they get six innings from their starters and 0-8 when they don't. So that's the thing that you got to fix against this specific team. The A's bats have actually been pretty decent against the Houston Astros. Um, against other teams, you know, we, we saw the, the bats kind of sputter a little bit last weekend against the Boston Red Sox. Um, I, I think that... If they take advantage of a couple of more situations, they're doing okay. If Mark Cate stops running them into outs, I think that they'll be okay. But you got to be able to beat the Houston Astros or at least make it a little bit closer. Maybe a 9-8 to eight loss as opposed. Obviously, I don't want to lose any games, but you got to make that run differential a little bit closer in these losses uh, just so it feels a little bit more competitive and maybe come from behind every now and then. That would be lovely because it feels like once the Astros gain any steam whatsoever against the Oakland A's, they, uh, they, they tend to just stop. They're like, all right, well, I guess we'll get them tomorrow. You know, here's Diolas Guerra and Birch Smith. See you tomorrow, guys. Um, and it just doesn't inspire a lot of confidence. So I think that if you even if maybe that's the thing is if you went out and got, got whoever you want to in the bullpen, Craig Campbell, whoever, and then you have some of these other guys push down, you know, you got Jake Diekman in the seventh, let's say, or uh, Lou Trevino in the seventh inning as opposed to the ninth inning. Then they're like, hey, we don't have the good and the bad bullpen. And if, you know, Diolos Guerra or Burt Smith or Sam Mole comes in or something like that, if one of those guys comes in, that's got to be demoralizing to the bats because they're like, all right, well, we're waving the flag. And even if we do score, then what's the point? Because they'll probably give it up because they're the bad bullpen. So if you supplement the bullpen, you're probably looking at, 
just better morale, I guess, late in games when you're already losing. Uh, just a thought. Um, that one came to me as I was recording, so let me know what you guys think. But I don't know that Craig Kimbrell is alone the answer. I think that they need to get, they talked about it on the broadcast, they need to get an outfielder that can do something and play some games and, you know, play every day because they're very platoon-oriented right now. And if Ramon Laureano's not hitting, then right now they got nobody else. That that's actually doing anything. Ramon did get some hits in this game, so that was nice to see. Let's see if that sparks him for the rest of this week, or you know, tomorrow, today's game. Then let's start with today's game, and then maybe in Texas, and then in the second half. So let's see if uh, this lights that fire that you like to see Ramon play with, and all of that stuff. But uh, that's all that I got for you guys today. I got my talk with uh, Joe from Locked On Cubs coming up in one of the next two days. So let's hope for a win so I can talk about that tomorrow. But if not, you'll still be hearing my voice, just not talking about the game by, by any means. So until next time, go out and celebrate good times, Oakland, and I will talk at you tomorrow. 